When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I'm Dan Lobby. During the month of July, Mary Kay Cabot, Scott Patsko, and I are bringing you the podcast version of our 20 questions about the Browns. Every weekday, we'll have a post from one of us on cleveland.com slash browns answering a question about the team as we head into training camp at the end of July. We'll also have accompanying podcasts each day where the three of us will discuss the topic. We cover everything from Baker Mayfield's accuracy to who will start at right guard. So make sure you're subscribed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, and don't forget to check out Football Insider. It's our subscription service where Mary Kay, Scott, and I will text you throughout the day with the latest on the Browns. News, analysis, what we're thinking and hearing, and more. And the best part is you can text us back and we'll text with you directly. It cuts through the clutter of social media. It's another way to connect with us as we cover your favorite football team. We also hold events with our team of writers that includes Terry Pluto and Doug Maurice exclusively for our subscribers. We held a virtual draft event the week before the draft this year. And we also held a virtual event where we talked all things Baker Mayfield. You probably heard both of those on the podcast. But if you weren't a Football Insider subscriber, you didn't get to participate and have your voice heard because these events are only open to our football insiders. If you want to check it out, you can get a 14-day free trial by going to cleveland.com slash browns and clicking on the box on the right side of the page. Football Insiders $3.99 per month after your trial expires. Or better yet, you can just text 216-208-3965 to get your trial started. Again, to get that 14-day free trial started and see everything that comes with your subscription, text 216 208 3965. Now, let's get to our question for today. And today's question, Mary Kay, is The question is Should Alex Van Pelt call the plays for the Browns this season, or should Kevin Stefanski do it? It is the big debate. And at this point, we have no idea. The only thing that we know so far is that by September 13th, Kevin Stefanski promises to have made a decision. And that's good because they're gonna be playing the Ravens that day. So it will be nice to know ahead of time. Uh, We don't even know for sure if there will be preseason games for him to evaluate whether or not Alex Van Pelt can call the plays or how many there will be if there are any. Originally, of course, there are supposed to be four. Those four were supposed to be Alex Van Pelt's tryouts. And now there might only be two, but still, if there are two, it will be an opportunity for him to show Uh, that he can get that job done. 
Uh, I think the idea going in is for Kevin Stefanski to let him do it so that he can be the CEO coach, so he can oversee the whole process and make sure that he's got a handle on everything and that he doesn't have too much on his plate. I have some thoughts about how I think this should go, but I'm going to see what you guys think first. Well, I'll, I'll go first then. I think Kevin Stefanski should call the plays. I think based on this offseason and, and how weird it's been, uh, he knows this offense better than anybody. I know he hasn't been a play caller for a long time, but he knows this offense better than anybody you know, on this staff. He knows what he wants it to look like. He knows what he wants it to be. I think he should be the one that calls the plays off of it. If he wants to hand that off to Alex Van Pelt at some point or somebody else in a year or two, I'm fine with that because I, I kind of feel like Kevin Stefanski, I don't want to say he doesn't care one way or the other, but I don't think he's real tied to being the play caller. It's not something that he's super like, I have to do this. Um, I don't know if he just absolutely loves play calling, you know, like some of these other offensive coordinators do and offensive minded coaches do. But I think he should do it this year. I think it would be best for everybody involved. And it also allows him to set the tone of his offense. So if he does hand it off to somebody down the road, if there's somebody on his staff that he likes, if, if Alex Van Pelt leaves and gets a head coaching job or something else, um, he kind of sets the tone for what that offense should look like. So that's my long way of saying, yes, Kevin Stefanski should call plays. Yeah, I pretty much agree with everything you said there. I think that it makes a lot of sense for him to start out doing it. And, of course, the hope – is that the Browns get to a point where he doesn't have to, where everybody's so much on the same page and they have such a, uh, a real good identity on offense that, that he can hand it off. Um, such a big difference from, from last year when I think everybody felt like, you know, the reason Freddie Kitchens was hired because of the play calling and his success down the stretch in 2018. And there was no way, I know it was a big question that kept on getting asked last season. Uh, him or Todd Munkin, who's going to call the plays? Uh, or will Todd call any plays? Um, but it just never seemed like that was a real possibility. With Stefanski, you, you, know, you, you do get the feeling like it's not something that he ties to his identity. Um, and I don't think that is really a huge part of why he got hired. It seems to be more like you know, the alignment that everybody talked about between him and, and what's going on in the front office is probably a bigger aspect to that. So I do think he needs to start out. Uh, but, you know, a couple years down the road or even next year or even like at various points of the season, maybe you allow Van Pelt to do it here and there. And, you know, I just don't think it's going to be a big thing. It's something we're going to keep asking about it, but I don't think it's a huge thing that he feels like he has to do. You know how we talk about uh, different uh, players getting into the doghouse of, of Freddie Kitchens? Well, I think I actually got myself into the doghouse of <laughs> Freddie Kitchens like right after the very first game, when I asked him in the in the press conference, would you consider giving up play call? <laughs> I think I did that after the opener. So uh, it and was kind of multiple uh, times after too, I believe. <laughs> yes, I revisited it a number of times after that. So uh, yes, I, I got myself into um, into the kitchen's doghouse, out of the kitchen and into the doghouse, <laughs> and um, I never came out of it either. I never came out of it, just like Richard. And just like Dave Njoku and Demarius Randall, we were all in it. We should have a little Freddie Kitchens doghouse reunion one of these days. But anyways, um, Freddie was way in over his head with play calling. But that doesn't mean that every first-time coach is going to be in over his head with play calling. It depends upon the coach, and it depends upon the situation. 
in the situation, in the case of Kevin Stefanski and Alex Van Pelt, it's about six of one and half a dozen of the other in terms of how many times, how many games they've each called. Alex Van Pelt called one season in 2009 with the Buffalo Bills. Uh, Kevin Stefanski called one full season with the Vikings last year. It went very well. And then he called the final three games of the previous season, and those went pretty well as well. Um, so it's not like, like you mentioned, Dan, it's not like Kevin Stefanski is wed to the idea of calling plays. It's not like he's Andy Reid. It's not like he has been a play caller for 10 years and, and he has to continue doing it. Uh, I, I think that he would kind of gladly give it up if he thought that Alex Van Pelt was better at it. And we don't know that yet. Um, but there's another thing to consider here. And that is the fact that they, they did not have an off season to pull this offense together and make sure that it was going to look good. And they are behind the eight ball in that regard. They caught up a lot as much as they possibly could. But the truth of the matter is uh, they're trying to install all new terminology, whole new scheme, timing, rhythm, precision, and they haven't been together yet this offseason. So therefore, you might expect that it could be a little ragged in the early going. And if it is, Kevin Stefanski might not want to put that onto Alex Van Pelt. He might want to assume the responsibility of getting off to a little bit of a rocky start offensively and not kind of, I don't want to say hurt the confidence of Alex Van Pelt because I, I don't think he's fragile by any means. Uh, but Kevin Stefanski just might want to take on the responsibility of what might not be a perfectly well-oiled machine early on. Right. Kind of take those, take those bullets for him, <laughs> right? Like people are going to criticize play calling and uh, he, he can kind of be the guy that says, you know what, that's on me. And it goes, it sort of goes back to being that, that CEO um, type of head coach. So I guess we're all sort of in the, um, I guess we're all sort of in the same camp then, right? Like Kevin Stefanski should call plays, but we might as well try and make the case for Alex Van Pelt. So let's run it back. Mary Kay, if your answer was going to be Alex Van Pelt, what would your case be? Well, if it was going to be that, my answer would be that it would give Kevin Stefanski an opportunity uh, to be that CEO coach and to oversee the whole process and to not have to just be so focused in on game day on, on calling those plays and that he can, you know, have a feel for the whole entire game, make sure the defense is playing well, make sure that uh, that special teams is going well, help in the decision-making process and help out actually uh, with the play calling, but not having to do the whole thing. The other thing is uh, that Alex Van Pelt will be, you know, running the offensive meetings, uh, doing the game planning, scripting those first 15 plays. So why not, you know, just let him carry it through and call the rest of the plays. So, I think there's a case to be made for it. Yeah, I think it's, it comes down to, like, it's an easy target to, to point at if there's struggles early on, you know. Um, you could say that someone's taken on too much, but half the coaches in the NFL call their own plays, half the head coaches. Uh, after the Stefanski was hired, I went through and looked at the last two seasons. Um, 16 head coaches called their own plays last season, including four rookie head coaches, one of which was Freddie Kitchens. And then it was, you know, 14 of the 32 the year before. So it's not like it's a rare thing, but being a first year coach, it's just one more thing that that's on your plate as you're trying to navigate your first season in charge. Um, but again, I don't, 
I know we're supposed to make a case for Axon Pelt, but I, I still <laughs> say that it just makes so much more sense for Stefanski to do off the bat for everything you'd said earlier, Dan, about him knowing more about what he wants on the offense and um, the fact that this this crazy offseason is just um, down the road, I think, certainly. But, but to start off, I still say it's Stefanski. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the, the argument is – you know, maybe Alex Van Pelt is a really good play caller and, and we just don't really know it because he's only had that one season in Buffalo. Maybe he has some great ideas of, of how to call a game. Um, and, uh, you know, another piece of it might be, I get the impression based on uh, some of the people Kevin Stefanski has hired, uh, some of the people he's brought in, he's very interested in helping people advance their careers. Now, when we're talking about coordinators, obviously we're talking about kind of the top of the, the food chain there. Uh, but usually when you're a coordinator, you want to take that next step to being a head coach, especially if you've never done it before. So, you know, maybe there's a part of Kevin Stefanski that if he thinks Alex Van Pelt can, can do it and can run his offense the way he wants it run, you know, he can help Alex Van Pelt out a little bit and, and help him maybe take that final step uh, to becoming a head coach at some point. And, and usually this is still kind of how it is in the NFL. Usually not only do you have to be a coordinator, but you also have to be a play caller, not all the time, uh, but, you know, you just look at a guy like – I always go back to Eric Bieniemy in Kansas City. He's the offensive coordinator of one of the best offenses in football, but he doesn't get head coaching jobs. And the reason why, you hear it from fans and, and other people, well, he, he's not the one calling the plays. So uh, there could be an element of, of that as well. Uh, but, I, you know, the other argument, and you, you made this one, Mary Kay, is Kevin Stefanski is here to oversee everything and make sure everything is running smoothly, make sure the trains are on time, make sure everyone's fitting into that culture they want to build here, uh, that everything's aligned. And, you know, maybe if you can take that play calling off of his plate, he can do an even better job of that. And he doesn't have to spend as much time on the offensive side of the ball. He can do some other things. So I think that's, that's probably the, the biggest Alex Van Pelt argument. There's another one though that we can uh, probably come up with here and that is uh, that he's also the quarterbacks coach and he's going to be working very very closely with Baker Mayfield he's going to know what Baker likes what he doesn't and he's going to be in such close communication with Baker Mayfield that you know in some ways maybe it would make sense for him you know for them to be communicating in the headset and to develop that rapport and you know, to, to be calling the plays that, that he knows that Baker feels comfortable with and those kinds of things. So that's another thing. Uh, let's take a very quick look at the one season uh, that Alex Van Pelt called the plays in 2009 with the Buffalo Bills. They finished 28th with 16.1 points per game and 30th in overall offense that season. It was a 6-10 and 10 season and they didn't have a whole lot of talent. So you can't, you know, necessarily pin the record or those rankings on him uh but what, what do you guys think of, of those numbers and that year well i think fred jackson really let me down on my fantasy team that year i was expecting more from him as a receiver and it just didn't happen that that's my memory of, of the bills that year pretty much <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was uh it was a very thin roster ryan fitzpatrick started eight games that year trent edwards started seven games uh, and through 183 passes, Brian Brom started a game. Uh, Fred Jackson got over a thousand yards on the ground, but you know Marshawn Lynch was on that roster, but he wasn't he wasn't beast mode yet. 
And he was mm-hmm. still backing up uh, Fred Jackson. And your leading receiver that year was none other than 36-year-old Terrell Owens, who had mm. 129 yards. Uh, Lee Evans, uh, tw- he was 28 that year. And I always kind of liked Lee Evans. He was always a guy that flew under the radar and, and was a pretty good receiver. But I don't know. I don't know much you can hold Alex Van Pelt accountable for uh, a team whose leading receiver is a 36-year-old. Terrell Owens it's it's tough to and and as much as we all love Ryan Fitzpatrick this isn't a guy that's exactly been you know he's not he's not going to Canton he's had a very long career he's been very good when teams have needed veteran placeholder quarterbacks but the guy's not exactly going to step off the field and go to Canton when when all is said and done um so I, I don't know it's just it's hard to really judge uh, what what that team was and they had a coaching change it looks like it looks like that year that was uh, Dick Geron and then Perry Fuel took over for him, so it, it wasn't exactly a, a stable environment either. Yeah, and um, and he's coached a lot of football since two thousand and nine. I mean, he and he's coached a lot of good football uh, since two thousand and nine. He's learned a lot of offense. He's worked with some really good head coaches. He worked with Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. Uh, he worked in Cincinnati as offensive coordinator, uh, coached Andy Dalton, you know, to some good numbers and some good things there. And, uh, you know, so he's learned a lot since then. I mean, we really shouldn't hold anybody to anything that happened in, in 2009 in the NFL, um, because I'm sure that he would be a much, much better play caller now than he was back then. Yeah, Hugh Jackson can tell you all about what it's like to call plays without, a, uh, without consistent quarterback play. It's not easy. And I think he's uh, repeated that over and over since he was let go here. But, yeah, it couldn't have been easy to, to go through a season like that and try to have some sort of continuity uh, on your team. That, that's for sure. And, and I, think that's, I think we forget it sometimes. But you're right, Mary-Kate. These coaches are allowed to learn. You know, they're allowed to develop. They're allowed to maybe not be as great from day one as, as they are, you know, in, in year number 10. Uh, so, some coaches do and, and some coaches don't. But 2009 was a – disturbingly long time ago. (laughs) I still feel like it was two years ago, but it was actually 11 years ago. uh, And and a coach can learn a lot uh, in in those 11 years. And, you know, maybe Alex Van Pelt has learned that. And and I think the quarterback coach thing is interesting too, because maybe for Baker, maybe he kind of likes having that guy be his his play caller. And that's really where Alex Van Pelt is going to be valuable. Bottom line, whether he calls plays or not, his value is going to come in what he does with Baker Mayfield as his quarterback's coach. Absolutely. Um, Now, I do think, however, that um, Kevin Stefanski, the fact that, and we brought this up already, um, but the point I I don't think can be emphasized enough, that he called Gary Kubiak's offense in Minnesota last year. And that is the offense that they will be running here this year. So he does know it really, really well. I think he knows it probably better than Alex Van Pelt does. He has a feel for it. I mean, you, you know, you really understand it and you grasp it when you've been out there, you know, with, with the fur flying for, for 16 games plus, because obviously they went to the playoffs uh, and he's done it for whatever, 18 games or whatever they played. So I think that uh, he has the advantage that way. Uh, that that he knows the you know the nuances the the ins and outs and he learned so much from Gary Kubiak who's one of the best play callers in the NFL 
and uh, you know, and maybe he can bring all of that and just carry that over here, even though he's not going to be side by side with Gary Kubiak anymore. You know, he's kind of, you know, cut the umbilical cord and he's on his own now, but I still think that he is probably more well-suited to calling that specific offense right at this moment than Alex Van Pelt. Remember Stefanski hired all these assistants because he wanted them here. You know, the last couple of head coaches, it felt like the offensive coordinators they had were somewhat of forced marriages in a way. Um, and he, with this, you know, I don't, Alex Van Pelt wouldn't be here if Kevin Stefanski didn't have the confidence that he could possibly call plays, I don't think. So uh, if he has to, he has to, and I'm sure Stefanski will have the confidence in him to do it. Let me, let me throw this one last thing out there, if we're going to talk about play calling. Uh, because we're, when Freddie Kitchens was hired, remember what John Dorsey liked to say was play calling is an art. He believed play calling is an art. Um, this is a very analytics-driven organization again now. Uh, how much of a role do you think that side of things is going to take in the actual, you know, not that Paul Podesta is going to be sitting on a headset saying, hey, call this play. But how, how much do you think that's going to play a role in the actual, you know, game day operations of, of play calling as far as, you know, fitting data and analytics into, I'm going to call this play in this situation? I think it's going to be huge. I mean, if you just look over uh, the, you know, the organizational flow chart of the Cleveland Browns right now, there's a lot of data, research, data, research, you know, I mean, they are so big into uh, using the numbers to help them win football games. And I, I still believe that they will rely on that more than a lot of other teams in the NFL. And I think it is going to come down to uh, a, lot of, a lot of math and a lot of, you know, what Baker is able to do in play action versus no play action. I think on Mondays, those uh, Ivy Leaguers are going to sit down in a room and they're, they're going to do a lot of math problems and they're going to talk a lot about statistics and analytics and those kinds of things. And, uh, and, and I think they're going to come away with uh, things that they can do better the next week based on those numbers. And so I think it will be absolutely huge. Otherwise they would not have a front office full of those kinds of people. Yeah. I mean, you, you're still scripting, you know, X number of plays to begin the game, which has been done for, for decades now. Uh, and you're, you're still using the data from past games and scouting to build your game plan. I mean, that's all the same. I think what this uh, front office might do differently, and I think Mary Kay might have mentioned it before, is like winning on the fringes. It's the, it's the data that, that is there that maybe not everybody's using. You know, everybody's using the main stuff. We know that that play action works against this team because this linebacker just can't help himself or, or this, this uh, you know, when, when this team goes into this coverage, they're susceptible to this. So that kind of stuff's always there. But I think this front office seems like one that uh, is, is going to find that the stuff that maybe the other teams aren't going to put as much effort into. And that's where you can kind of have that little edge. Um, but, you know, calling, calling the plays, I think there is an art to it. Even if you do have all that data, even if you're putting, all that data you use and figuring out a game plan, you, there's still an art to kind of fitting it all together. Um, you know, it isn't, like we've said, you know, punching in the numbers and seeing what comes out, you know, technically, but you, you do have to kind of piece things together. And there's a flow to the game. I mean, you, you don't just uh, stick to your script and, and not take note of what's happening in front of you. 
yeah, kind of waiting, you sense that opportunity to take your shot or, or something like that. Right. I think, I think where you'll really notice it is, you know, when you see situations where, hey, when we look at this football team, you know, we're, and, and this might sound kind of basic, but it was stuff that wasn't happening last year. This team is really bad when you go, when you put a bunch of 12 personnel out there. Their defense can't handle it. So that's what we're going to do this week. And then the next week, maybe it's something different. Um, th- things like that. Uh, you know, running the ball on second and long, that's probably going to be frowned upon by, by, uh, by a, lot of these, uh, a lot of these guys because there's a lot of data out there that tells you that's really not a, a very efficient thing to do. But if, off the top of my head, I seem to remember Freddie Kitchens really loved to do that. If he passed on first down, he loved to run the ball on second and ten. Or a draw play on fourth and <laughs> Or a draw play on fourth and nine. Or yeah. a, uh, a Kareem Hunt throw on third and one. Uh, yes. Okay. We won't go there. We won't bring back those back. Mary Kay, you have one more thing to add. There's there's another way for them to accomplish the play calling, and that is, and I could almost see them doing this, is to say that they're going to collaborate on it and that they're going to share the play calling duties, and we won't really 100% quite exactly know who's (laughs) making the final call on every single play if they decide to do that. And remember, it might not be Stefanski or Alex Van Pelt because there is a fan contest right now where a Browns fan can win a chance to call plays or script plays uh, with, with, uh, with the Browns for a preseason game if the preseason happens. This, this, this person might do so great, they get a full-time job out of it. That's It'll how be Freddie, a movie. That's how Freddie got his job because he did an amazing <laughs> job in the fourth preseason game that one year against the Lions. So. There this person go. does not know the opportunity that is staring them in the face. I don't think. The, the greatest fourth preseason game performance in the history of the NFL that elevated yeah. Freddie Kitchens all the way to the head coach <laughs> of the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> uh, actually, Kevin Stefanski should maybe be happy that that fourth preseason game happened. It just set in motion a number of dominoes that, that ultimately landed in here after, uh, after all was said and done. All right, that'll do it for this edition of the 20 Questions version of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Check out this whole series at cleveland.com slash browns. Check out the podcast versions, uh, all queued up in your podcast feed, so make sure you're subscribed wherever you get your podcasts, and also check out Football Insider to get that 14-day free trial started. For Scott and Mary Kay, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs>